You guys doing good? Okay. Hey, turn your Bibles, if you've got one, to Luke chapter 24. If you don't have one, we will uh, we'll put it up here on the screen. But Luke chapter 24. This morning, I want to talk to you about the power of the resurrection. That seems uh, appropriate, right? <laughs> seems fitting and appropriate. But uh, let's do that. I think the ushers are almost all the way through. We'll get, uh, get into Luke chapter 24 here. So Luke chapter 24 the, we're going to pick up the story in, in, in chapter 24, verse 1. Jesus died, obviously, right? He died on, on Friday. And then they laid him in a tomb, a big, you know, kind of like a big cave with a big rock. They rolled over it and they, they set some guards, some Roman guards uh, uh, in front of the tomb. And Saturday, according to the Jewish tradition, is Sabbath. And so it's a day of rest. And so on Saturday, the, the followers of Jesus, they basically mourned. And they rested. And so on the first day of the week, the first day of the Jewish week, Sunday morning, the followers of Jesus, particularly women, came to the tomb to go and honor him and mourn his death. But obviously we know that they were surprised. Most of us know how the story went because on the third day he rose again. So we're going to pick up the story there in verse 1 of chapter 24. It says right here, Luke uh, 24 verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, referring to women who had followed Jesus, Mary Magdalene, um, whom Jesus had delivered from uh, seven demons, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there, a bunch of other women. Uh, It says very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. We know from the account in, in Matthew that there was, a, uh, was like a big earthquake that moved the rock and, and the, the guards had basically fainted and then ran off. It says in verse 3, Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. See, Jesus had said many times, he had prophesied many times that he was going to die And rise again. But they didn't understand what that meant. They thought maybe it was a metaphor or something like that. They didn't get that he really meant, I'm going to be crucified, and then on the third day I'm going to rise again. And so when these two angels told the women this, they said, don't you guys remember that he said he was going to die and he said he was going to rise again? Then they remembered, and it says that they ran off and they told the other disciples, the 11 disciples and others. But listen to the words of these angels. I mean, I don't know how these guys got picked. But, like if it was some lottery, these guys lucked out. Because they get to tell these ladies the greatest thing ever. Right? The greatest thing ever. They get to announce right here in verse 5. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Listen to that. Why do you seek the living among the dead? 
They say, he's not here. He is risen. I love that. Why are you guys looking for a dead guy? Dead people are in tombs. He's not dead anymore. He's not here because he is risen, right? He is alive. Just like he said he was going to do, he's alive. And so they ask, the, they ask a really kind of interesting question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? See, Jesus isn't, uh, he, he wasn't resuscitated, let's just say that. He wasn't resuscitated. It wasn't that, like after three days somebody resuscitated him. No, he was dead. They had crucified him. The Romans are, were expert killers, expert torturers. Just to make sure he was dead, they, they shoved a spear through his side and blood and water came out of his side. It was actually not water. It was actually a fluid that collects around the lungs proving that Jesus had died of cardiac arrest. I mean, he had holes in his hands and his feet. He, was, he, was complete, he died, dead. For three days, or for, you know, for, for not three full days, but in the, in, in the tube. And on the third day, on Sunday morning, he rose from the grave, right, by the power of the Spirit, the Bible tells us, that God, by his Spirit, raised Jesus from the dead. And he wasn't resuscitated, he was risen. So that today, right now, Jesus is alive. But why do so many people seek the living among the dead? Why do so many Christians, we act and we talk as if Jesus is dead? We act and we talk oftentimes as if this is just a story. But this isn't like a fairy tale. This isn't a fiction novel. This isn't a fantasy, right? This is reality. He really died. He really rose again. It's a historical fact. But it's not just a story. It's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. The reality of the resurrection is that Jesus is alive. I love how the angels say this right here, where they say, He is risen. He is risen. He's alive. So why do you seek the living among the dead? He's the living one. He's the one who lives forever, like Jen said when we were worshiping. The Bible calls him the firstborn of the dead. Because... uh, when Jesus comes back, those who follow him are going to get a resurrected body just like him. He's alive right now, sitting at the Father's right hand in heaven. And one day he's going to come back and he's going to reign over this earth and he's going to make everything right. He's going to end injustice. When he comes back, people who follow him are going to get resurrected body and, and there will be no more sickness There'll be no more dying. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more injustice. He's going to restore all things. Amen? And it's because he's alive. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples here in John 14. We'll throw it up here on the screen. It says in John 14, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper and that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also live. At that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. See, before Jesus went to the cross, he made a promise that after his resurrection, he would give to us his Holy Spirit. The very 
Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. And he says, I'm not going to leave you orphans, he says here. I promise you, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to live in you. He says, the Spirit of truth, the parakletos, the helper, he's going to come and he's going to live in you. And the world's not going to see me. And the world's not going to be able to see the Spirit. But you'll know me and you'll see me because I'll live in you. And because I live, you live. See, this is the reality of the resurrection, that Jesus is not dead. He's alive, and he's living in you who believe. He's living in me by his spirit, and because he lives, I live. Same Jesus, same life, same power, same love, he's living in you. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's alive, and he's living, and he's living in you and me. This is what Jesus promised would happen, that when he rose, he would come and he would live in our hearts. Listen to what uh, Romans 8 says. Paul, Paul teaches us that if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. He's saying that, hey, people still get sick and they die. Until Jesus comes back, still, we've still got this tent that we're living in. He says, but if the Spirit is in you, if Christ is in you, he says, then your, then your spirit is life because of his righteousness. Meaning that because Jesus has come inside of you, he's forgiven you of your sins, he's made you right with God, and given you his resurrection life. He goes on to say, but if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the de- d- dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So that if his spirit is in us, one day when Jesus comes back, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will be the same spirit that raises our own bodies from the dead. This is the hope that we have. Listen to what he says in Colossians 1. He's talking about people he preaches the gospel to. He says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Listen. He says, Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. When we put our trust in Jesus, he comes and he lives in us by his spirit. Christ in me. Christ in you. The hope of glory. And his life and his power and his love is available to you because he's living inside of you. Same Jesus, the same Jesus that walked the earth and when he laid hands on people, leprosy, gone. When he told a little girl, little girl, get up, she was raised from the dead. The same Jesus that spoke peace and a storm was calmed. Same Jesus, but that by the power of the Spirit was raised from the dead. That same Jesus is alive today. That same Jesus that loves perfectly that gave his life because he forgives. That same Jesus is living inside of you, and his life and his power is available to you. He said it this way in John 15. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branch. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. It says, but apart from me, you can do nothing. He's the vine. We are the branch. He's the source. You're the conduit. 
of his life flowing through you. And so if he's the vine, if he's the source, if Christ himself is living inside of you, what's the fruit? If he says, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, what's the fruit? It's Christ. If Christ is living inside of us, then what's the fruit that would become manifest through my life? What would become evident in my life if I am following Christ and Christ is in me and him and I are intimately related? He and me and I and him. Oneness with Christ. What would be the byproduct, the fruit? It's Christ's life, isn't it? Christ's love. Christ's forgiveness. Christ's power. Jesus said it this way. He said, a servant will be just like his master. He says in Luke chapter 6, he says, if a, if a servant is perfectly trained or discipled, he will be just like the master. See, this is the, this is the vision that Jesus had. Not that he would be the only one, but that he would reproduce himself in the lives of his followers so that when he was on earth, there was one Jesus in one geographical point in time doing miracles ministering to people, showing them God's love, telling them and, and, and bringing them back to the Father, to Father God. One person in one geographical place. But Jesus' vision was that if I die, like a seed goes into the ground, and if a seed goes into the ground, it does what? It becomes a tree and bears much fruit. Jesus' passion, Jesus' vision, is that he would fill this whole earth with people, that he would reproduce his life in them. Amen? So that now, instead of there just being one Jesus in one geographical location, Jesus, by his spirit, is living inside of every person who believes in him so that he's everywhere we are. So that now, the church, those who genuinely following Christ, putting their trust in him, are salt and light to this world, bringing transformation to this world. That's always been his desire. Amen? He doesn't want us just to have a story that we tell people. Not just a story that we tell them about that something that happened 2,000 years ago. A story that happened and that has no effect and no impact upon our lives today. That was never his idea. Rather, his idea that we would give them a person. See, today we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And today we're remembering that he died and rose again for us. But I want us to go beyond just celebrating something that happened or remembering something that happened. I believe the Lord wants to encourage you today, strengthen you, and build up your faith today that you and I would celebrate and remember not just something that happened, but something that's happening. And even more than that, something that's going to happen because he's coming soon. And he's going to come and he's going to restore this world and resurrect our bodies. The Lord wants us to remember that he's living inside of us by his spirit. And the same power and the same life and the same love that was in Jesus is in you. See, when I was in, uh, I was in junior high and high school, Michael Jordan was like the man, okay? He was the man. Now, there's some good basketball players before him. I mean, great basketball players before him and after him. I'm not saying he's like the best one. But I'm telling you, Michael Jordan was the man. It was captivating. 
especially for a junior higher, high schooler, watching basketball, getting into it. I mean, come on. This guy was amazing, right? This guy could just do stuff, make it happen. And, and I, mean, I mean, when a guy does one of those, like, fade away, bat, you know, jump shots, boom, and makes, this, makes the basket for the win of the championship, there's just something captivating about that, right? You're like, dang, that was awesome. I mean, come on, they, you know, put like a picture on, you know, they made Air Jordans, like a full-on picture. I mean, the tongue hanging out of his mouth, like everybody, they loved that guy. I mean, everybody was just like, this guy's awesome. And it just marketed that whole thing to death, right? So much that like everyone, I want to be like Mike. I mean, come on, when's the last time you saw, uh, sang, we, people sang a song about, I want to be like Mike, you know? Everyone, I want to be like Mike. Everyone talking about want to be like, so much, so weird that they even made a movie about it, you know? It's some weird movie. I don't even even saw it. I just know that they made a movie because people want to be like Mike. They want to be like Mike. Now, see, I can tell you the stories about Michael Jordan. I can tell you stories I can show, we could show the, the replays of, 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 of the awesome shots he made or you know, all that kind of stuff, right? We can get the shoes out. I mean, they still have them, right? They still have like Air Jordans. That's how, you know, Michael Jordan is retired now, but we can tell the stories about it, but that's not going to win basketball games, is it? That's not going to lead to victories. I can tell you stories. So often we read the Gospels and they're just stories of something that happened instead of the revealing of the person that's living inside of us. A lot of times we read the Gospels and we we see Jesus healing somebody and we think, okay, he did that then instead of realizing that's who he is and he's living inside of us. The Gospels were written so that we would meet him, get to know him and walk in a relationship with him where we can hear his voice and he can minister through us to other people. He doesn't want us just to give a story to people. He wants us to give himself to people. You know, didn't Jesus say in John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Didn't Jesus say that? Didn't Jesus say that if you're following me, you're following me, you'll love like I love. Not love like you love, love like I love. Forgive like I forgive. And he says, people will know that you are my disciples. What's a disciple? One who's becoming just like the master. People will see that you are my followers. People will see that you are my disciples because you love one another. Not love like you love, love like I love. When people see that you love one another, when people see that you forgive one another, when people see that your yes is yes and your no is no, when people see that you lay your life down for the sake of others, they'll say, That's not natural. That's supernatural. They'll see, what is Jesus saying? They'll see Christ in you. They'll see that you're my followers. 
they'll see that that couldn't happen on its own. That that couldn't happen by your own human effort or your own godliness. But that's got to be because Christ is inside of you. See, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. But He's the vine and we're the branch. He's the source. And so if He is living inside of us, His life, His power flowing through us to change us, to transform us, and to cause us to love like He loves. So much that people say, that's got to be the power of God. Amen? This is what the Lord wants. See, religion, Christianity is not a religion. Religion is just, you know, outward, following outward rituals, rules, and ceremonies, and things like that. Religion is just doing it, you know, by, by the rules. Religion is just that we have a nice story. We have a myth. Christianity is not a philosophy with principles and ideas. Christianity is about the person, Jesus Christ. You cannot be a Christian without Christ. It takes Christ to live the life of Christ. It's impossible to become like Jesus without Jesus. And so he gave us himself. He gave us himself so that his life and power flow through us and produce his life. Religion, legalism, works. That's us trying to do it on our own human effort, right? I mean, even just even think about the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Go, make disciples of all nations. There's a lot of people nowadays that say, whoa, man, you know, don't make it into works or anything. I don't have to do anything. No, Jesus didn't say we don't have to do anything. He just said that he would give us the power to do it. His love flowing through us so that when he said, go, make disciples of all nations, that seems a pretty big deal. But then, how does he end? He says, I'm always going to be with you. What was he doing? He's telling us, Here's your assignment, but I want you to understand something. You're not going to be able to fulfill it in your own abilities or your own wisdom or your own strength or righteousness or goodness. But he says, don't worry, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you an orphan. I will live in you. See, if we're walking with Christ, if he's discipling us, his life will become manifest through us. Listen to what he says in in Mark 16. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And listen, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. What did Jesus say? That certain special people will heal people? Did he say, well, just for like the first 40 or 50 years uh, in the book of Acts, people will get healed? No, he said, they who believe, right? Does it say that? And these these signs will follow those who believe. Those who believe. You know, I don't know, I'm not, you know, I'm not into, the, I'm not into all that healing stuff, you know. I, we're, just, we're just into the Bible. We just want the Bible. 
Me too. And it's in the Bible. Amen? He promised it. He said it. He didn't tell us, oh, you won't, you won't need this stuff. You, you won't need this. See, I, I'm going to shut that part off. Like, I'm going to give you holiness, but I'm going to shut the healing stuff off at some point in, so, that, so that when you're, you know, in 2012, you won't really need that. That's not true, is it? That's not what the Word says. Jesus said, the, those who believe, these signs will follow those who believe. I don't want to chase after signs. But Jesus said, if you believe, what will manifest from your life? He will. He will. Now, we don't go and take up snakes and like do all that weird stuff. I don't know why people do that. We don't go and drink poison. No, he's talking about supernatural protection. Like you're, on the, you're out there in the jungle preaching Jesus and some snake jump up and bite you like it happened to the apostle Paul. He got bit by a snake. He didn't die. Praise God. Now, I don't know why people want to go and look for the snake and play with snakes and all that. That's kind of a whole other story. But, but just because there's a counterfeit out there, just because there's people who are odd, just because there's people who, who, who manipulate, doesn't mean there's not the real thing, right? You don't counterfeit a fake. You don't counterfeit fake monopoly money, do you? No, you counterfeit the real thing. What am I trying to say? Listen to what Jesus said. John 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Well, you know, that's just because like in the church, there's more of us. And so like, you know, the, like greater works doesn't mean we'll do greater works than Jesus. Greater works just means like we'll do, you know, like because there's more of us. Is that what he said? He didn't say that. Look at what he said. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes. Last time I checked, that's a singular pronoun. He or she, right? The one, the person who believes in me will do the works that I do. You'll do what I do. And even greater works. Wait a minute. So these signs will follow those who what? And he who does what? Believe will do the works I do. Remember Paul said in Galatians 2.20, it's one of my favorite verses, I no longer live, he said, the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. He said, I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me, right? I no longer live, it's Christ who lives in me. See, Christ is the, it's like I'm the glove, but he's the hand. Right? Like he, he's the power. He's the love. He's the life flowing through us, bringing healing, wholeness, character, transformation in our lives, bringing blessing, bringing healing, bringing freedom and deliverance to other people's lives. He's the hand. I'm just the glove. Paul says, I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. But he says, the life I live, I live by faith. Seeing a pattern here? Those who believe, these signs will follow them. The one who believes, they'll do the works I do. I don't live. I live by faith. Christ is living through me by faith. You see, the, you see what he's trying to get at? He's trying to say, apart from me, you can't do anything. But in me, nothing's impossible. 
He wants His power and His life flowing through us. He wants His life manifest through us so that when I lay my hands on somebody, it's not my power, it's Christ's power flowing through me to release healing into their body. And it reveals why? That He loves them? It's a sign of the gospel. It's a demonstration of God's love. And He gets the glory. Paul actually says this in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the power is not from us, but from God. I'm just a skinny white dude. But I love what Smith Wigglesworth said. I'm ten times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. And he was a big guy. What was he trying to say? He says, hey, when I came to Jesus, I still look the same on the outside. I still have this human body, and, and this body still gets sick and all that kind of stuff. But he says, but we've got this treasure on the inside, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ literally living on the inside of me by his spirit. I'm a new creation. I'm born again. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and Jesus is living his life through me. So that when we're in relationship together, how is it that we can have healthy relationships? When Christ would love through me. And Christ would love through you. Christ would forgive through me. And Christ would forgive through you. Man, how do you do that? How do you become like Christ? You become like Christ by hanging out with Christ. By walking by faith. In that intimate relationship with Him. I mean, can you imagine somehow I make it to the Lakers practice, right? When they're all done practicing, you know, I get past the guards or bodyguards or whatever they got, security guards. I get in there and take you guys on, you and me, one-on-one. Any one of you, I'll take you on. Let's go. Take you to the hole, right? And they say, they, and after they're done laughing, after they were done laughing, can you imagine, you know, they just laugh at me. They would. And uh, they say, you and what army, right? <laughs> the little white guy. We can't even see you. And, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, me against any one of the Lakers, well, it's not going to look pretty, right? It's going to look pretty bad. I mean, it's going to look like, you know, me and like a two-year-old, you know, or something like that, you know? What's up? You can't even make it to the basket, you know? <laughs> but just for the sake of my illustration, what if I said, Michael Jordan is living on the inside of me? <laughs> they would laugh too. But what if I was flying through the air like this? With, oh, wait, with the tongue out, right? See, the reality is, is, that, is that the message of Christianity was never that Jesus was great. Jesus was loving. Jesus was awesome. Jesus could fly through the air with his tongue out and slam dunk. No, I'm joking. Okay. Jesus, Jesus healed leprosy. Jesus did those things. Well, Jesus was sinless. Jesus now, he is great, amen? He's awesome. 
But he didn't come to earth so he could show off. Yo, what's up? Watch this sinless move. Bam! (laughs) Sinners! Two points for me, zero for you. He didn't come to earth to show off. He didn't come to earth to show us what God could do. The Bible says that he is the son of God, he's God himself, who became a human being. That means when the word became flesh, he really did. He was a human being, and the Bible says he was tempted in every way except without sin. He was tempted like every single one of us, yet as a man, he did not sin. And then he did no miracles until he was baptized in water and he came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit came upon him and empowered him. And he healed people and did mighty miracles. Why? Was he trying to show off? No. He's trying to show us what one man could do submitted to God who would walk by faith. Submitted to God. And then he says to you and me, You'll do the exact same works as me. Even greater works. Because I like you. Because I'm going to live inside of you. He says to us, love like I love. But I can't do that. I'm not Jesus. Oh, I've got an idea. Here's my spirit. See, the message that we're giving to the world is not, hey, I got a story about somebody who's really cool. What we're giving to people is, I know him. He lives inside of me. And so when we lay our hands on somebody and they're healed, or when we love and we forgive and we walk in reconciliation with each other, it demonstrates, doesn't it, that Christ is in us. When we love, like when I love my wife as Christ loved the church. God's super resurrection power, his resurrection life flowing through one another, producing the life of Christ in us and through us. Amen? This is what we are called to. And this is what the Lord wants us to do. Do you remember when Peter, Acts chapter 3, remember when Peter, he was, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit? You remember that because Jesus said in Acts 1.8, he says, hey, don't go anywhere. Don't do what I called you to do until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he says to them, uh, you will receive power to be my witnesses when the Spirit comes upon you. And so Peter was baptized in the Spirit. And you remember he preached the gospel to thousands of people and 3,000 people came to Jesus in one day, right? That's power, right? That's power. That's when the Spirit of God touches people's hearts. And remember he was going to the temple one day, him and John, Peter and John, walk into the temple and they see a lame man who was begging for money and the guy couldn't walk either. And uh, he's walking up to him, and the man says, hey, do you have any money? And Peter says to him, hey, I don't have any money, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And he takes him by the hand, and he lifts him up. And instantaneously, this man is healed. Instantaneously. He has the muscles and the brain capability to walk, and they all go into the temple. And everyone's freaking out. Like, oh my goodness, I've seen that guy, you know, begging for years. Everyone's freaking out. And Peter says, hey, 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 calm down, calm down, calm down. You guys. And he says, he literally says, he says, men of Israel, don't think that it was because of our power or our godliness that this man is healed. I love that. 
Do you see what Peter's saying? Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not God. No, 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 no. It's not my power, and it's not my godliness. I got nothing. And then he preaches about how Jesus died and rose again. And after he preaches that, he says it this way. He, he tells them how it happened. In Acts chapter 3, he says, It was in the name of Jesus and through faith in his name. This man was completely made well. You see in the pattern? Not my power. But it is my faith. He says, he says, it was in the name of Jesus, meaning it was God, it was Christ's power and authority. We're just representing him. Ah, we're just the glove. He's the hand. It's his power and godliness flowing through us. But it was through faith in his name that this man was completely made whole. See, that's how this thing works. <clears throat> I still remember when I was 16. I mean, God was, I knew the Bible, but God was a cardboard cutout. I didn't know him. And I still remember when I heard the gospel that Jesus died, give me my sin, make me right with Christ, and put my trust in Jesus. I remember being born again. I remember when Christ came inside of me. My life was darkness until that point. And then life, light. I still remember the difference. Before and after. See, I was trying to be a Christian before that, but I just didn't know the gospel. I didn't know Jesus. I, I, I was trying to do it. It was like I was trying to cut a tree down with a pocket knife. That's just frustrating. That's cruel. That's what religion is like. It's just mean. And there's a lot of shame and condemnation and striving and anxiety and trying to earn God's favor and just pocket knife, you know? It just doesn't work, okay? And I remember when I came to Jesus and the Spirit came inside of me, it was like somebody handed me a chainsaw. Let's get that tree down. I remember I could, I could hear him speaking to me. I knew him. I couldn't see him. But the Holy Spirit came inside of me. Light came inside of me. And the power of God was available to me. I was so full of insecurity and fear. I was so full of anxiety. I was so full of lust. The 16-year-old. Bound. And when the Holy Spirit came inside of me, Power. It changed the way I lived. Lord started speaking to me. Lord started setting me free. He has brought such healing to my heart over the years that I've walked with Him. Such freedom from bondage like lust that to this day I walk in purity by His grace. Such wholeness in my life freeing me from fear, insecurity, and these things, pride. Such wholeness. And it's only been by His grace. Amen? But for the grace of God, there go I. If it wasn't for Jesus, I'd have none of these things. All the blessings, all the freedom, the wholeness I have in my life is only because of the grace of God. It's only because of His life flowing through me. I have nothing without Him. 
Nothing. I still remember, you know, six years, even before six years ago, I would hear people uh, lay hands on people and they'd be healed. You know, I've told you that. My friend went to Africa, saw a little boy walk who was two, had never walked before. I was just jealous, you know? It just probably never happens for me, you know? I saw it in the Bible. I would hear stories of it. So I had a hunger in my heart. You know, Lord, this stuff's not happening in my life. And it wasn't until about five or six years ago, I was the pastor of this church, that I told the church, I said, we're going to believe what the Word says. We're going to believe what the Word says. And I began to believe it like it's written, speak it like it's written. And what happened? Our faith began to rise. And we began to see healings. It wasn't until I did what? Believe it, speak it. We started seeing legs grow. Right, we started seeing cancer healed. We started seeing God's power go into operation. So that I've put my hand on people's heads and I've seen chemical imbalances rewired in their minds. We've seen dyslexia healed twice in this church. Let me say that again. We've seen dyslexia healed two times in this church where they could feel the rewiring in their mind. A mentor of mine, Jerry, Pastor Jerry Dearman, he's laid his hands on someone and they've been healed of AIDS. I was watching a, a, ta- a, a testimony of a, of a man who's at a church, a church that we're very aware of here, a friend, you know, a friend church of ours, sister church, I don't know what you call it, friend church. And this man had cancer in his esophagus, big man, big man. And he comes into their healing rooms and he's standing there and some of the adults are praying and the little, little boy comes in. And the big man's like, that little boy gonna pray for me? And the little boy comes and lays his little hands on him, prays. And the man went down. I don't know what happened, but he literally just fell asleep. Just a piece of God came on him. He fell, he fell down. He fell asleep. And when he woke up, sometime later, he woke up. He was healed. And when I say healed, I mean verifi- verifiably. Six months later, 12 months later, on video, documented, healed. Because of the faith of a little boy. Because was it the boy? It's Christ. What I'm talking about is God restoring a family like Rich and Courtney. Because my wife is praying for Rich and says, I bind that demon in Jesus' name. And he says, what do I need to do? And my wife leads him to Jesus. And because he's following Christ, God has restored their family, their marriage, and their three children. They're now three children. See, that, that's the power, the supernatural power of the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? That is what we're celebrating. And so here's what we want to do.
as we end up here. I want to encourage you, those of you who are a part of our community, this is, we know that there's more that the Lord wants to do in and through us. And we know without depending on Christ and walking by faith, it's not going to happen. And so what I'm, what I'm saying to you is this, I'm not the same as I was two years ago, five years ago, and I'm not going to be the same two years ago, five years ago. And it's the same with this church. I'm inviting you to hunger with me, long for more of God with me, Seek Him first. Put yourself in a place where your faith is built up and you grow so that His power flows in you and then also through you to other people. My invitation to you, my, 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 what I'm saying today is let's celebrate. Let's remember what He's done and let's hunger for more. Follow me. Walk with me. Journey with me. And if, you, if you're new with us this morning, that's my invitation to you. Give us a year. See, it takes time to build community. It takes time to get connected with other people. And it takes time to build your faith and to see what God could do in your life. I remember Emily. She started coming to our church before she was a Christ follower. Just checking us out. And realizing, you guys are the real deal. There's something going on inside here. And I remember after a few months, not just a few months of coming here, but many more than that of, of knowing us, but a few months, she gave her life to Jesus. A couple months later, she started getting, she got into Operation Saw Lives, being discipled. And one night, people were praying for her, and she was healed physically. She was filled with the Spirit. And through discipleship, she's grown. I mean, this girl right here, she's growing and becoming like Christ, seeing wholeness in her life. And I'm telling you, you want something from the Lord, let her pray for you. Got the girl going to give you something from Jesus. Journey with us. That's, that's my invitation. Give God time. Whether, whether you're a skeptic or a seeker, whether you've been a believer, if you don't have a home church, journey with us. Give us a year. Let God work in your life. Let God work in your heart. Let God connect you in community. Michelle, come on up and, and lead us. There's some things that the Lord wants to do as we wrap up. The worship team can come up.